displeases me. Oh, yeah, this pleases me. This smart home technology. Technology. Alexa, please turn the heating up. I'm very cold. After that, please play. Digger, digger. Oh, no, 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 no. I do not want this. Alexa, smart homes. Stupid people. Smart homes, smart homes, stupid people. Smart homes, stupid people. Smart homes, stupid people. Smart homes, smart homes, stupid people. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the final episode of Smart Home Stupid People for 2022. My name is Eris Felmuth. <laughs> And who are you? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm <coughs> Mar- Marlene Siege. There we go. The, the, everything looks good. Our volumes are good. So let's. Uh, this is going to be a fun episode. We're calling this Decision Fearism. It's based off of a couple things. It's actually based off of a Levels of Absurdity episode that I had done, which is focused on a song that I, I wrote a long time ago called Fearism. Fearism is a cool concept. It, uh, we'll go more into it, but... Um, for today and for wrapping up, I think, this year with Smart Homes to People as season mm-hmm. number one, right? We're going to we're gonna recap a couple things, obviously. It's not going to be too cheesy and we're not going to be going into, you know, past ideas too much, actually. <laughs> today, the focus... Cheesy. Yeah, cheesy. Uh, the t- today, the focus is really on um, two plus two is perhaps who is watching you, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the concept that... Fearism can be developed and influence our decision making. Mm-hmm. That's actually really the heart of this because I think that if there's anything that um, I would like to really take for me into next year is the reminder of of uh, not allowing fear and fearisms to develop mm. into something that makes me care about um, altering the truth. Yep. In my life, my subjective truth, um, in order to please the way that other people may be uh, judging me mm-hmm. in that moment, right? So we'll get into that. It's going to be a pretty funky thing. Um, we'll, we'll have some fun language stuff to do as well today. I know that some guys out there like that. Not everybody enjoy that, <laughs> you know? I, uh, I was looking at a couple of the earlier episodes, and I can definitely see how much weight I've lost over the last couple of months because I haven't been able to move. I haven't been able to exercise. It's been very interesting well, since having broken my shoulder and my foot. Other people would put on weight, you know, because of that. <laughs> well, I lost muscle. I lost, I lost a lot of weight, about yeah. uh, almost 20 pounds. And um, today was like really one of the first days, so it kind of like is like a full circle to me because I broke my arm and my, my foot almost at the same time mm. as... To Smart Homes to a People started with episode number one. Yeah. I think we did one episode or maybe two before no, I broke my shoulder. No, I don't think so because all of a sudden you had a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to look back at that. I'm pretty sure. Then, I'm pretty sure we did one yeah, or two episodes. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, maybe. I have to take a look at that. Maybe yeah. you're right. And today was the first time I was able to do uh, bench presses with no clicking and no popping happening in my shoulder and no negative pain right like there's always going to be a bit of discomfort when you're mm-hmm. when you're exercising but there was no negative comfort like discomfort in a way that's 
bad for the joints, I would yeah. say, you know, so I, I feel good about now going into next year, knowing that I can actually start to do more again, um, physically, right. Uh, I've been doing other things because I haven't been able to exercise, uh, cold swimming and, uh, lots of relaxing, you yeah. know, drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how about you? How do you, how do you feel about all of this coming to a season finale? And we're going to take almost yeah. a month off. We'll be back mid January. Ah, okay. And, uh, <laughs> Say we're finding this out as we go. <laughs> and until then, we may have a couple surprise episodes coming up. Oh, yeah. May not be live, may be live. And when we do have them, they're only going to be on Rockfin. We'll we'll notify everybody in the Telegram group. We'll probably stream to Telegram too. We'll see. Mm -hmm. But that'll be it. You know, it's going to be kind of a Rockfin exclusive kind of thing if we do anything um, before January 15th. Yeah. Yeah, so I always actually like the, you know, the last couple of days in the year. And it's also where the... And it said Raunichte, is that the English uh, word? Yeah, it's got a different, it's a completely different translation in English. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, the, basically the days between the years, right? So it starts 21st of mm. um, December, so on winter solstice, until the 6th of January. And it's, it says that, you know, these kind of days are mm -hmm. very, very much open for, um, oh, let me rephrase that. <laughs> these days are... Um, very good in order for you to, you know, just like have a review of the year and just think about the things that you are grateful for and, you know, what you appreciated over the year, what you want to leave mm -hmm. behind, you know, the things that you want to say goodbye to and also the things that you would like to invite to the new year. Right. So it's just a good time for, for you to just, you know, ground yourself and maybe clear up your, your stuff in, at home clean up and and get rid of stuff you don't need anymore and then just take time for yourself mm -hmm. do a little meditation breathing exercise whatever and i really like right. this time because you know i'm at home i have time i'm have holidays and vacation and since i'm not so much into the whole christmas thing <laughs> i rather i rather do do these kind of things so yeah that's why i always like this time of the year and specifically things get a little quieter yeah know, yeah energy goes down you can relax a little easier, I find. Um, yeah. With me, it's a bit the opposite, fortunately, at least until about uh, January, where um, from a business point of view, I'm, I'm just I'm just swamped. It's mm. always... Everybody has this thing where, you know, they take on a lot and they want it all done by the end of the year, <laughs> right? It's it's like every yeah. every project needs to be done by the end of the year or else it's a, it's a, it's a tax issue in Germany. <laughs> right? True, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, with my job, you know, most of the things are already settled and there's not so much to do anymore good. it's just like yeah easy going but yeah concerning a podcast i think you know kind of how many episodes do we have 34, this is episode right? 34 exactly so pretty we impressive. were pretty uh, <laughs> punctual in putting them out we've yeah. taken i think since the beginning of august when we pretty much started or end of july we've uh, skipped two of them i believe um, maybe a little more maybe three yeah, or a couple four, anyway. some, something yeah. like that yeah but other than that, we've been here twice a week. We're always live yeah. um, Sunday, like today at uh, 6 p.m. Yeah. our time, or we're live Wednesday, 8 p.m. our time, right? Central European time. Hmm. Yeah. So um, today I wanted to talk about, you know, two plus two depends on who is watching you. That's that's a, what, a, what a really interesting idea. And I decided to have a little bit of fun with it, as you guys can see here. Oh, oh I didn't do that today. Man, I got to do these things before doing these things. Uh, here, I'm going to push that button and we'll, we'll have it. There it is. Uh, two plus two depends 
perhaps on who is watching you. Mm -hmm. And decision furism. So we have the eye of God in the shopping cart. And I kind of translate that as two plus two is supposed to equal four, as we would like to believe. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't equal four. And maybe because all eyes are on you expecting it to equal something else. Mm, and you know, you know yeah, it's different. Yeah. And you know in your opinion and your experience it's four, but you may say five mm. or six or whatever the hell is expected of you to mm. uh, be held in a good light. And so therefore making, if you choose to not say two plus two equals four in a scenario where people really are expecting five or six or mm -hmm. else they're going to judge you negatively mm -hmm. like a bad person, then... It's actually that decision-making becomes a form of consumption. Yeah. Because now you're consuming their, their opinion. Their attention. Their attention. Yeah, it's true. All that stuff. So this is actually a really funky idea that uh, that I kind of wanted to play with today. And as you guys can see also the the face, right? This is the the scream, the scream I think it's called, yeah. by Edward Monk. Uh, Edward Monk. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I read that he had originally painted this painting in like 1890-something. Um, after having a vivid, some would say hallucination, mm. maybe they were having fun with mushrooms uh, <laughs> around the end of the year, where <laughs> the sky turned to blood and uh, was pretty much dripping and uh, the, the, the sky cracked open over the fjords near the city where he was uh, mm. at in Oslo. Actually, I've been to the bridge. I've seen um, exactly where this was painted oh, Right when cool. I was in Oslo a couple of years back. And, uh, and so he said that, like, for him, he had this vivid experience and all he could do is scream and be full of anxiety. Mm, nice. <laughs> so that's why I kind of chose this as, as, yeah, a, as yeah, a nice yeah. background for what we're talking about today, because anxiety, I find to be something that uh, it's unnecessary. Mm. To, uh, and what I mean unnecessary, you know, fear is necessary. We have fear when fearful things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, anxiety, I don't know so much if that's really a necessary thing. I think this is something that is created when we don't address our fears. Yeah. Um, there was actually a definition that I read specifically about fear and anxiety for my stress book, but I can't really recall the difference anymore. But yeah, as you said, fear is really a very natural physiological reaction towards mm -hmm. a real danger, right? But anxiety is more like that you are in a constant state of fear Without there's a you know a, 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 like a logical reason behind that that you just put yourself into that well, state. It could be a triggered reason. Yeah. It could also be uh, what I, the way I like to see it from a biological point of view is that um, when you have the fight or flight mode, mm -hmm. what do you guys call that exactly? Uh, fight, flight, or 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 uh, freeze. Some yeah. people yeah, say yeah. Even nowadays too that um, in that moment, you know, the blood leaves your stomach mm. uh, and, and central areas mm -hmm. and starts going more towards your limbs and mm -hmm. your head so that mm -hmm. you can think faster and move faster Run, and get the hell yeah. out of there, you know, go yeah, where yeah, you yeah. have to go. And the way I've had it explained to me in the past is that anxiety is when this type of thing is happening and you have no reason to really flee and you lose mm -hmm. you lose the ability to actually control that. So yeah. your 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 um, anxiety is being triggered and your adrenaline levels are going up based off of other things that are completely unrelated, mm -hmm. right? Perhaps uh, you're just worried about the future. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, and I would I would argue that worrying about the future and not being in the present and not being okay with the moment yeah. is one of the largest reasons why anxiety pops up 
right? I've yeah, I've had true. a couple experiences with this myself in the past and recognized it quite easily and, mm -hmm. you know, spoke with a lot of friends of mine had issues, family and so on and so forth. And um, anxiety to me is something that uh, is a very dangerous thing to have for prolonged periods of time. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Because it can destroy your uh, immune system, yeah. essentially what we call it, you know, it destroy your, your your internal, the way that the blood flows to your internal organs so it can mm -hmm. create organ fa failures and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, maybe you, you can read the Felminator's uh, comment hello, because hello. <laughs> let's let's, so let's. The last one is actually concerning the, as far as I can see. I put the monitor a little closer. You could read that yeah, now, Yeah, eh? I can read that. All right, well, the last one. Here we go. I actually like that one, the so, fear of the unknown. Would you say anxiety is or could be fear of the unknown? Well, fear of the unknown is interesting for me because I, I, I look at um, certainties and uncertainties, right? So you have, certainty is, is that, you're going to do something and you're certain of the outcome. Mm -hmm. And for this reason, you're fairly confident about it and you are relaxed mm -hmm. because you know what's going to happen. Uncertainty is really, I'm going to go around the corner and I have no idea what's waiting for me. Mm -hmm. And for some people, that's a, that's a disaster, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to go around the corner until they are certain <laughs> that they will be okay. Other people yeah. want to explore what's around the corner without knowing. But yeah, I know, but it really also has a lot to do how you've been raised. You know, if there like is, is a profound understanding for your feeling that you are going to be okay because this is what you, you've experienced as a child already starting in, you know, your mother's body. Absolutely. If she was Absolutely. afraid all the time, then this is what you have as a ground feeling. And that's why you would be more likely to be afraid of the world. That's right. Than if you would have been raised uh, in a family where there was, you know, just a loving, grounding energy that is that was predominant. Well, and, you know, for me, I've always embraced what I would like to call the absurdity and the unknown, mm. right? In a sense that I will, I, I would say that, having a fear of uncertainty is kind of insane. And it's it's mm -hmm. a bit nuts to me. And the reason why is because you've said many times, there's nothing certain then. The uncertainty. Well, in biology, in the yeah. fact in the fact that there's nothing certain that everything is in constant flux is the yeah. way you've actually said it in, in some yeah. of your presentations. Yeah. You can't be certain about anything other than everything is constantly changing. Yeah. And so there's a human in there's this human um desire. To mm -hmm. constantly take all of these uncertainties and make them into a certainty. And yeah. when we feel like we don't have control over them, a lot of people tend to lose their shit. Right? Well, I would say, you know, it's maybe human, but you have to distinguish further. Like this, the animalistic part in us, I think it's would be mm -hmm. okay. You know, with not <laughs> like, right. I always, uh, I, I always I say that if people ask me, what about, you know, cats, dogs, whatever, do they have anxieties? And from what I've known about this topic, and I looked up different studies, there is no, no, no hint that animals just sit there and start thinking about the future and like start worrying. It's like, oh, you know, will I be loved by my owners next next week or something like that? This is not something that they do because they are just in the moment all the time. They don't think in future and not in the past. Because, yeah. yeah, and that's why they don't have these issues. Whereas we humans have that logical part in our brains that are designed for problem solving. And then there are no problems in the present moment. They start thinking ahead. What right. kind of problems could there be right. in future? Right. And so um, I had that big time in my life, you know, constantly worrying about some people are more in the past, you know, kind of clinging to the past, thinking how, how, how beautiful things were. Mm -hmm. So they are not in the moment because they're in the past. 
other people and I, I'm including myself, are more in the future and really try mm -hmm. to escape the present moment because they think there must be something better in the future. You know, once you achieve this, then I'll be happy. So you're constantly projecting into the future, but also you can use this tool like to worry, you know, you don't know what right. will happen and all that. And for me, the only way to get out of it was really to come back to the present moment, do breathing exercises, the meditation, and just feel your body and the sensation. And then you realize there is no need for you to be afraid. You know, you have a roof there. There is no dangerous animal around you. You're not you. starving, perhaps? You're not starving, perhaps. No. You know, probably even have a lot of good food. <laughs> and with this realization, you can calm down your nervous system and bring it back mm -hmm. into that um, normal state that things are okay. There is no immediate danger. So would you say that um, in humans, uh, anxiety is almost... Uh, a, a lack or perhaps a fear of embracing our animal side. Yes, I think, well, it already starts with, you know, being in the very moment, using all your senses and accepting what is. I think a lot of people live a life that they don't like. Mm -hmm. And by they kind of really take themselves out of it in order to not not feel what's going on. Right. The first thing always starts with accepting what is, although you might don't like it. Um, I remember, so now we're talking about trauma. Yeah, trauma. I think anxiety has a lot to do with trauma. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know that that there is um, kind of yeah, maybe I don't know if, if we're going too deep on that topic. What is really trauma? You know, this could fill a whole episode itself. Yeah. But definitely, maybe you know, from explaining it from a shamanic point of view, how I understood it and learned it, that mm -hmm. you know something happened within you and parts of you are kind of leaving the body like parts of your consciousness because whatever happened to you was so traumatic that this part is no longer there in order to protect mm. you to forget about it and the uh, shamanic point of view is that parts of your soul are kind of going somewhere else mm -hmm. they're just leaving you but then you're not complete anymore and this incompleteness kind of allows um, other energies to, to 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 kind of you know cling into your system specifically energies that are creating worries and you know like making you feel worry and anxiety because mm -hmm. they feed um, these entities feed upon your uh, emotions and the anxiety that you develop. So they constantly keep you in, in fear and anxiety. So rabbits don't have fear and anxiety from what you've studied and seen. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, they have fear. Yeah. And, and it's good because they are um, prey animals. You know, so what, many, what, is, the, what is the stress hormone that uh, you were measuring back in uh, your research? Yeah, so uh, maybe just come back first to the rabbits. So yeah, they have to have a, a very pronounced fight and flight. Or fight and, and uh, more, so for you guys flight. out there, Madeline's uh, PhD dissertation <laughs> was on rabbits. So this is why I, I, we take we take the rabbits as a, a nice species to kind of yeah. um, compare to humans because they really are similar in the way that they exist. Yeah, absolutely. The um, way they build their cities and all that. But don't let me interrupt what you were about to say. <laughs> just I just wanted to say that for rabbits, it's very important to have. Um, fear you know they um, foxes like birds of prey lynx yeah. they're all like to munch on the little rabbits so they have to to be very careful when they're outside their borough systems so that you know they they won't get um um Preyed pre pre on the well, they yeah. won't be preyed upon exactly, yeah. and yeah. so they have a very sensitive flight reaction. So whenever something is going on, they're immediately in their bar system. Mm -hmm. But we also, when I did the research on the rabbits in the city and those on the rural area, the rabbits in the city they almost lost their 
flight behavior because there was no immediate danger for them. There were and humans. How was the stress hormone compared to the ones on the rural areas? Yeah, I'll come to that in a second. But just to say, you know, like they 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 kind of lost their um, flight instinct hmm. because there was it was no use to them anymore. They there were a lot of humans around them, but they realized, oh wait, you know, they so are actually not. There wasn't harmed. that much danger happening. Yeah, they're anymore, not not no. harming us. And also, you have to Instead, imagine the old ladies were coming out and giving them carrots. Yeah, yeah, they just put <laughs> the carrots down at their barrel systems. <laughs> it was kind of cute. But it would have been even a disadvantage for them to flee each time there was, you know, a human approaching them, specifically in a city where they're constantly people walking around. So they adapt and they they learn that there's no danger, so they can just relax and mm -hmm. not, um, f um, you know, have a flight reaction all the time. Well, with the stress hormones, unfortunately, I was not able to finish that study. We collected the samples, um, feces and blood samples. But these samples kind of disappeared. They, you know, found their way into the garbage. Yeah, you told me about that. That's unfortunate. That was a big, yeah, big unfortunate. And the fact that the university paid for these things to happen and they just throw it away without talking to you. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. So, but what we would have, you know, measured <laughs> was actually uh, cortisol. Cortisol is a so-called stress hormone. It's it, um, mm -hmm. it is excreted during the fight or flight reaction. Um, on the longer term. So you have the kind of immediate fight or flight reaction that is um, adrenaline and noradrenaline that are mm -hmm. you know, given out into the blood system. And if there's still danger, if there's still, you know, still the the reaction needed, then cortisol or cortisol is one of different um, hormone mm -hmm. groups that has also um, been released into the bloodstream. And so you can measure that. You can measure it in, a, in the feces, in the urine, and also in blood. Mm -hmm. And I think also in hair. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean, these kind of measurements, also something I wrote in my book, it's called stress hormone, but, you know, cortisol and also other hormones that are excreted during fight or flight are actually not so much stress hormones, but more like relaxed hormones because they have also the tasks to slow everything down again, you know, and kind of relax the animal after mm -hmm things were crazy so that they start relaxing and they might go back to food um, food intake to to um, so not just adrenaline and cortisol you're talking about like now dopamine and um, um no that no no i mean the cortisol is part of a group that is called corticoster corticosteroids they're right mm -hmm. <laughs> say that in english so there are a couple different hormones but these are kind of labeled as the stress hormones because okay. they're always Released. Oh, so cortisol is a group of hormones. You're saying no. Cortisol is one hormone, okay. but it's part of a group of hormones. Okay. Of the corticosteroids called. And, and adrenaline is a part of this. No, adrenaline is um, also part of the stress reaction, but it's not part of the cortisol reaction. Okay. Cort um, adrenaline and noradrenaline is kind of like the first boost. You know, mm -hmm. when something happens. This is the first that goes into the blood system. It's like, oh, okay, now we're in immediate danger. Yeah, and, and en if endorphins they still... as well for the numbing and all that stuff. Right? Yeah, I think there are endorphins, right? So in... um, endorphina, okay. I think uh, they are like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And if if they're still, you know, if they're still the fight or flight modus active, if there's still danger, after a while they switch into a longer. Um, longer lasting reaction that okay. and, cortisol is involved in and that. the relaxing hormones that I know would be then serotonin and uh, as I was saying um, I think dopamine as well dopamine is also like the it's it calls like the happiness hormone yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> where it has a lot to do with the motivation and your uh, um, um, 
again the Belohnungssystem. The rewarding system. The rewarding system in yeah. the brain. But yeah, I, I'm not an expert on that field. All I can say is there are a couple of hormones that you can look for it when you want to see if an animal is stressed. However, you know, scientists use this this idea for many, many years not realizing that sometimes these stress hormones are not excreted, although an animal has stress. Mm -hmm. So it's not the last question, not the last answer ah, to it, right? Okay. Also, sometimes um, these hormones are present, as I said, more for relaxation. You know, the stress mm -hmm. um, situation was already happening and now you can still measure cortisol, although the whole thing is over. So it ha you have to be really careful when saying, oh, I measured cortisol, so that animal must be really stressed. Right. It's not that easy. And also for many, many years, they thought, you know, having stress hormones mm. means that animal is stressed. So that implied that what about, you know, the insects and plants who don't have these kind of stress hormones? Do they not? Do they, they not have stress? Do they not have stress? Well, and this is now we're getting into the next part of the show where yeah. we're talking about um, statistics. Ah, yes. data, <laughs> right? And, and the reason why I say this yeah. is because I've heard statistically uh, animals like slugs, yeah, and fish don't they don't have a uh, high level of these uh, these 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 hormones, and for this reason, we humans believe they don't feel pain, and yeah. it's okay to kill them. Yeah, it's also a little bit more complicated than that, but basically, th there is that kind of policy. I don't know in in the whole world, but at least in Germany, that if you, whenever you want to have animal tests you have to have a permission for all vertebrate animals, which mm. means you can do whatever the fuck you want with, you know, like the- Fish and the, slugs. And the fish also vertebrates, but I'm not so sure. I think you can, you also, we don't need needed permission for the fish no. testing. So fish, I think- Well, you can, can go also, fishing and pop them on the yeah, head. Yeah, you can and, also go fishing, do that. Yeah. Um, but everything like insects, you know, snails, right. um, uh, like slugs, little all slugs, that, yeah. all these kind of creatures, you can do whatever the fuck you want with them. and. Yeah, there's, there's a no, lot out there. Yeah, and there's no human rights or animal Nothing, rights. Nothing, because they think, rights. you know, we are. They're little insects. What what the hell can they feel? Right. Um. So they pull them, the antenna out and all these things, you know, legs and just, yeah, it's horrible. That's yeah. why I never wanted to I, be an animal physiologist. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting now into the meats and bones of, I think, what we're going to yeah. be talking today, which is a lot has a lot to do with statistics and a lot to yeah. do with data. So two plus two, you would imagine, should equal four. Well, you've talked me and told me many times that yeah. you have to be careful with statistics. Absolutely. And, and Don't trust the, the statistic that you uh, manipulated. <laughs> well, let's talk about what that really means. Yeah, sure. Right. And um, so before we jump into that, I, I just want to go through real quickly the, 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 the idea for today, two plus two, mm -hmm. right, is uh, perhaps whoever is watching you. And this mm -hmm. is a big part of the statistics. Mm -hmm. It's because the statistics tend to be generated for the people watching, mm. you know, or or hiring or paying or it's it's very anthropogenic <laughs> in, in nature. So it's always going to have an objectified and a, and subjectified mm. twist on it. Um, and I just want to say here before we go on to the next part that um, here, can I do that? How can I do this? Ah, there we go. That uh, Felminator says uh, the painting is one of the things that inspired the ghost face mask that you see in the Scream movie. I thought so. Ah, I thought so, too. Yeah, it makes a lot, of, too, like... lot of, a lot of sense. It really, really <laughs> yeah, looks yeah. like it. Right. And uh, she also wanted to share with us that start uh, share with us that starting January, um, she's saving up towards a down payment oh, on a home. Very good. There we go. And want to do something every week as often as possible. 
<laughs> See, look at that. So that's a yeah. good, a very, very, very happy to hear that. That's a, that's we we purchased a house a couple years back, and it's it's an interesting thing because it definitely comes with that whole freedom of no more landlord, mm. no more neighbors. We own the building and the big property around it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I got my drum set in the other room right over here. So there are a lot of freedoms. You know, if I want to put a hole in that wall, that's my wall. I'm going to put a <laughs> hole in that wall, right? Yeah, um, yeah that's true. But then, you know, if you don't put a, if, if you don't get a good interest rate, we ended up locking in a 20 year interest rate. So they can put on as many wars as they want right now. Mm. So long as the Deutsche Bank doesn't go under with whom we have. <laughs> Actually, we're with Sparkasse. Spa so yeah, long as Sparkasse uh, doesn't go under, uh, it, with you know, within the next uh, 20 years or 15 years left over, then uh, then then we're still good with that interest rate. Mm. <laughs> right? and, uh, and, and it's one of these things where, Sometimes buying a property can begin. You think you're you're becoming a homo, you're a homeowner, but really, yeah, you're becoming a homo, <laughs> <You just laughs> no. homeowner. Sometimes you're becoming a homo, and uh, <laughs> and 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 the homos may own you. No, the homeowner, the the home may become, you know, might start to own you. Did you have how much do you have? I've already? had no like, alcohol. Oh, okay. I promise. Oh, okay. I haven't started. The beer's right there. I haven't even cracked it open yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, and before we get into the next section, I also want to say that we are live on Rockfin Rumble, Twitch, DLive, Telegram, and in audio format on Podbean. So, for all of you guys out there listening, this is a live show. <laughs> she, Absolutely, she life. can't take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Freudian slipped. When you become a homo, <laughs> you gotta be careful. <laughs> Watch out for your cornhole. <laughs> oh no. Okay, so oh, going uh, too far here. <laughs> uh, there we go. Uh, that being said, uh, we can integrate chat just as we have a second ago from Twitch or DLive. Chat integration with Rockfin and Rumble cannot be integrated, but if you pose a question, we will see it because it is right here in front of us on this screen and we will read it aloud or copy paste mm. it into the chat for other people to see it as well. There we go. I think we're good for the next part. The next part, we're talking yeah. about data. The data. Something the data. that you have <laughs> shared with me many yeah. times that uh, sometimes you think that you're researching something and you have 20 sources. Yeah. And then you find out that 19 of those sources all refer to the same one source. Mm -hmm. So now you only have one source. <laughs> yeah. But on paper, it looked really good because you had 20 <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? So when I started the PhD, you know, the big thing that you had to learn was the I'm statistics. I'm going to have my beer now. Oh, okay, enjoy. I will. <laughs> so statistics was a big part of the whole PhD research and stuff. I learned it in university, but I really understood it when I had to do it myself. Right. creating the the studies for the rabbits and yeah i i think you know i should have even looked deeper into it before starting because it's very complicated design to if you have an experiment the first question is what do you want to know what are your hypotheses and with me i was always like oh look there's some rabbits that looks interesting i'll just mm. collect some data and then see what we can do with it Right. So this is unfortunately something that was not taught right to me that, you know, it should be different. It should be first you ask questions and then you think about the statistical design and all that, but not just see something and then you start collecting the data and then see what can what can be done with it. Well, yeah, I mean, actually, it's interesting because on one level, collecting the data randomly kind of brings away the bias as to how you collect it. But at the same time, it also makes it inaccurate. Yeah, again, right. like, you know, we thought like, oh, there's so many rabbits out there and there's so many latrines. What could we do with it? Oh, we're just like mapping the latrines and all that. So 
again, that's why I took seven years for my PhD, <laughs> ending up with like, so I don't data. know, so much data right. because we could have just asked those questions. Anyways, the big important thing is that, you know, you have to have a very solid experimental design that makes sure that you can really answer the question that you asked, which means, for example, with the rabbits, we wanted to know what what influences the way they have their borough systems. So is there a difference between the size of the borough systems in the city and on the land? So, mm -hmm. you know, the city and land would have been one one um, variable to look at. Right. So that would be one thing that influences the way the rabbit builds their build their borough systems, right? So, and the big important thing is that you always have to have the highest sample like uh you know as high no, sorry the sample size should be as high as possible right so with us ex explain to everybody out there what a sample size yeah is. for example when we when we looked at the rabbits you know i wanted to know if the rabbits the borough systems of the rabbits are different in the city and on the land maybe they you know build smaller borough systems mm -hmm. so each borough was one sample so you want right. to have as many study sites yeah. and 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 yeah, absolutely. You, you want to have, have as much data. Really you want to have possible. as much data as possible. Really. So each borrower would have been one sample, and um, but also then you would have been careful. You know, like mm -hmm. you don't know if two borrows are made by the same group, for example. Right. Then is the two um, the two borrow systems are not two independent samples, but actually made by the same rabbits, mm -hmm. which then would be only one sample. Right. Sites, right? And that's what's right. called uh, pseudo, pseudo replication. <laughs> there you go. German pronunciation comes out once in a while and she can't help oh, it. Oh, yeah. It's not easy. It's hard it doesn't sometimes. Easy. Yeah. So that's something that whenever you see statistics out there, you know, it's always something that you can ask yourself is the data they present the real? Are these data the real data? Right. Or is that kind of like a so called independent um, sample, like an independent study? where they sampled always the same people and it looks like the data look and much bigger. This is not just, just so you guys out there understand what we're talking about. Madeline's using the rabbits as a, as an example, mm -hmm. right? She's using it as a, um, not even a metaphor, but really as, as just one small example, it's anything. It's well, like, all science, it's all data and it's all studies. Yeah. Right. Well, I can, I can, I, f I looked up one other example that might've mm -hmm. been, you know, might, might make more sense, but basically what you, how you can translate pseudo replication is um, a sense of false confidence. You know, it's false confidence. It gives you the confidence that, oh, we had a lot of uh, sample sizes. This statistic must right. be really solid. But if you look into it, it's maybe only half the number of um, sample sizes. And I explain you why. So, for example, you have two groups of people, mm -hmm. and um, they the one group is using um, a medicament for blood pressure, mm -hmm. and the other group is using a different medicament. So they both groups are taking the the pill for a month, and after that, the, you know, like the group uh, leader, he wants to know whether which medicament is better for reducing the blood pressure. Okay. So they start measuring the blood pressure. Uh, so each group has 100 people, mm -hmm. 100 uh, people. So group, group number one and group number two. And then you have um, the the person in the group. He is measuring his blood every, ten, uh, every day for mm -hmm. 10 days. So you have 10 samples for one person, right? So per day. Per day. Mm -hmm. So we have 100 people in the group. At the end, you have 1,000 different data points. Mm -hmm. You would think, oh, 1,000 different data points. This is quite a lot. But if you break it down, you only have 100 people. And from these 100 people, one person had repeated 
for 10 days. So basically your sample size is only a hundred different people, not a thousand. Mm -hmm. Because um, these different, you know, when they're measuring on day one, day two, day three, the blood pressure is dependent on the day before. So this is not an independent sample. It's always the right. same person. And if you have, for example, a person who has a high blood pressure from the genetics, you know, he has different... Um, dispositions, we call it. Yeah. Sorry? Dispositions. Yeah, dispositions. So with him, this medicament might might work not at all, whereas mm -hmm. for others it, it might work. So it doesn't give you um, a real picture of how these medicaments are really working if you only have 100... Well, 100 is already kind of a good sample size, but mm -hmm. not as good as 1,000, right? Right. So if you would have really... If you would look at this and you say, oh, it had 1,000 different people, and you can clearly see that all of these thousands taking that one medicament, their blood pressure mm -hmm. uh, went down significantly after taking that medicament. This is something else. But basically, when you look deeper and they said, oh, they sampled one person for 10 days, always the same person, right. you only have 100. Right. Well, so uh, when you look... At any study, right? Because we, yeah. we've pulled up quite a few over the last couple of months with Smart Home Stupid People. Yeah. Um, what do you look for to give it credence? To, to, to maybe think ah, this study wasn't done very well, yeah. the statistics don't mean anything. What, what do you look for? Uh, yeah, so the first thing is that I would look into the design of the study. So how many groups were there? Mm -hmm. um, how many people were in the group? As again, then the next thing, is there any sort of replication? So right. you have like a repeated, repetitive um, samples, which is not bad at all. It just needs to take uh, taken into account when you do the statistics, right? Mm -hmm. There are some tests that you can only do with independent data, and independent means that they don't, um, you know, they don't are they're not linked to each other. Maybe to to make it clear again, so you want to know if you know taking a vacation would help with stress. So you go to the airport, you ask people that are. <laughs> going into the airport and taking a vacation and you ask the same people when they come back, you know, how do you feel? You feel less stressed? Right. That would be um, a dependent sample because that's the same person. Right. An independent sample would be if you ask someone else in, you know, going into the flight and then someone else coming back from the vacation and you ask, ah, how do you feel? Right. So this is an independent sample because they have nothing to do with each other. Right. Okay. Um, and this is always something that you have to watch out for. But sometimes independent samples are um, required for testing something. For example, if you want to see, you know, over time how how um, a person is changing, then you have to have an independent sample. Mm -hmm. And so this is how you have to think. And before you start your your study, what do you want to know? Right, right. For example, we had the rabbits and we wanted to know if they lose their, their flight ability when we approach them again mm -hmm. and again and again. So that was a, depend, um, a dependent sample because the first day we approached the rabbit, it was flat, you know, it was running away. Second time we approached the rabbit, it was running away. Third mm -hmm. time again and again and again. So where there was like a habituation and then we measured something else with that rabbit. Right. But this was a dependent sample. Right. Yeah. Right. So this is the first thing that I would look for. Um, is there independent or dependent samples? How many? How was the data transformed? There's another nice thing I like, <laughs> data transformation. <laughs> I don't know how many times I kind of sat in front of the computer and kind of transformed my data. And it sounds awful because it sounds like cheating. But there are a couple of things that you can do in order to bring them into a form that you have more possibilities for statistical tests, right? So what you want to do or what you want to have at the end is so-called normally distributed data, which is like that Gauss, Gaussian 
Bayesian. You mm -hmm. think it's a Bayesian curve, right? Mm -hmm. How you say that? Like that bell curve? Yep, bell. So that's the normally distributed data. And many data are not like that. So Well, you have the, the linear would oh, yeah. uh, so linear is is normally distributed and and the bell curve is what? No, the bell curve is the normal distributed data. Why is that? Well, because you have one mean, and around that mean, you have the other um, the other values that are kind of like ah, I see. You know, yeah. grouping around that mean. So mm -hmm. you, for example, um, normally distributed data would be uh, body size, right? Mm -hmm. You have a mean in males and females, yes. so they're not going much higher or not much lower. There's always like a mean yeah. one yeah, yeah, one hundred and eighty yeah. or something. So that would be normally distributed data. But if you go out in nature, then, you know, you have a data point here and there, and there's another one there. So there is no way that they're normally distributed. Mm -hmm. But you can make them more like normally distributed if you transform them for logarithmic, for example, right. these kind of things. And the, the, in order to get a big spike Yeah, somewhere. in order to make yeah. them more like that. And then you can use these data sets for statistical analysis. Mm -hmm. So because for many tests, the prerequisite is the normally distribution. Mm -hmm. But more and more, there are other tests out there, but they're not so solid. That's why it's always it's always important to look for the kind of data that you have right. and then find the best uh, if, way to analyze them. And if the way that it was analyzed suits the data set, I would presume? Yeah, that's important too. You know, you can't right. use um, a test that is that should have normally distributed data and then you take the raw data and you look at it as like they're not normally distributed right. at all, then the test doesn't tell you anything. Right. So, But this is something that you have to learn over time. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I can I can still see that even with papers that you think, you know, they're highly um, published, there are still things that you would like, like, I don't know, that looks a little weird. <laughs> well, and now and the I'm not an expert, you know, I just have a, I have a basic understanding of it. Um, also, I'm kind of out of it for a yeah. Uh, for a while now, but I know a friend of mine. He is a spe um, specialist for uh, multivariate data analysis, and so he's like crazy in, in programming right. and all this. And he also told me stories. So, <laughs> well, and this is the other thing too. You know, um, obviously, what you want to depict with the data, it, it becomes a bias in the sense that if you have a small data pool, yeah. And let's say it's not really well mapped on a on a on a nice gradient spectrum. Yeah, there's a lot that can be done to it in order to make the outcome look more compelling. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. When also the way you you depict the data, you know, mm -hmm. um, there's some some ways to show the data that you don't show the outliers. Which right. you know yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would also be important to look at at them and also yeah the way the the way to show is important which let me think I was just reading from the filmmaker she said she loves data and statistics I know I put so, it on screen oh you uh, yeah. I didn't see that I did I did that <laughs> perfect yeah yeah so. I was never, you know, I, I really liked analyzing my data because it was always fun to see what well, comes out you, of it. Well, uh, from what I understand with you, you uh, you went and got a statistic, statistic, how do you call a person who studies statistics? 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 Uh, I don't remember the statistica. word. Statistica. Yeah, I know, I know the German word, statistica. <laughs> I know that. I don't know it in English anymore. It doesn't statistic matter. Statistic expert Sta in statistician. statistics. Statistician. <laughs> statistician. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad word, right? Yeah. Um, that you would go out and get your own experts whenever you needed to have data analyzed, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah. just just to focus on statistics, right? Maybe just or like a little anecdote on that. <laughs> when we had the the data for the rabbit latrine, so latrine is kind of a rabbit toilet. We were mapping the rabbit toilets, so Shit we house. had huh? Shit house. Shit house. <laughs> so we had 
3,500 different latrines. It was a huge data set. And I wanted to know whether, you know, um, it, it makes a difference f for the latrines to be close to the bore system or further away and to the also closer to vegetation. So I wanted to have a big analysis to all of that. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking how to do it. I didn't know because there were so many data and they were all like different and there was no mm -hmm. structure to it. And also to relate it to the borough system, how can I analyze that? And I was thinking back and forth. I went to the mathematician of the university in Frankfurt. You know, he's supposed to be an expert. Mm -hmm. He looked at it. He didn't, I, it took me like an hour to explain it over and again. <laughs> and he said, I can't help you. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do here. Like it was a big part But of my why, PhD. Why, could, why couldn't he help you? Just because he... He couldn't grasp the... the well, when, once he grasped it, he said, I, I don't know if he can relate all these different variables together. And it was really about how to relate the distance of each latrine to the the bore system so that you can have a general aspect yeah. to it. Do you, you know, remember the yeah, discussion? Yeah, I, I was, was going to say, right? I, I was it the same guy? No, it was no, not okay. the same guy, but that was There the was, issue. When I was at her uh, doctoral dissertation, the defense side, which is the oral version of the examination, yeah. right? you have the written per part, and then you have, uh, is it a 25-minute presentation? Yeah. It was, it was about, about a 25-minute presentation and then like a 15-minute inquiry uh, from the, the, the observers, which would be then four mm. professors. I don't know. I wasn't furious. I didn't remember so much anymore. There you go. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that one of the professors just forgot about it. Oh, yeah. Like Plum yeah. forgot about it. He forgot me. And um, the main professor canceled. And so you ended up having to get two people. Like mm. she got one person, you know, last minute. And then that person slept in, I think it was. Yeah, and didn't yeah show it was up. a replacement. And then just randomly some old guy who was like an old professor of the same department uh, had seniority and was able to just kind of like jump up and, and be and be there. Yeah. It had, had it not been for him, you would have spent thousands of euros getting everybody there, get it, renting the room. Yeah, yeah. It was awful. Yeah. And um, I just remembered one of them, one of the professors didn't get it. Like really didn't, oh, yeah, yeah, he get, didn't it. get it, and, and and the questions I could tell because he studied deers and you or a type of deer, a gazelle or something, and and you study rabbits and and with the way that latrines occur and the mm. borders and the and, and and that stuff, it's similar, right? And he could not understand what you meant with territory um, um, uh, borders. Like it was like, mm. it, it was just, he was like, but I don't understand if, if, if the latrine is here, then the border's there, then why isn't it over here? Yeah, and yeah. he just, he couldn't, he, and, and so this is a point is I just remember when that happened, he acted like the whole time, like it was you who wasn't yeah, yeah. explaining it properly. <laughs> you just didn't get it. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't that he didn't get it. It's that you weren't explaining it right. I know. And then it was funny because the other three professors were like, what are you talking about? I get it. It's completely fine. Yeah. And, he's, and, and he's like, oh, well, I, I still think that, you know, she could do a better job explaining it. <laughs> and then when Madeline had to leave the room. Um, at the end, because it was what happens uh, during your PhD PhD dissertation, the person who had done the presentation leaves the room, mm. and the doctor, the the the, PhD, the professors huddle together like a little football team, <laughs> and they start going over the details. You know, a, a nice little socialistic uh, uh, study group yeah. or or roundtable discussion, where they're then saying. What do you think? She did this good. She did that. It was excellent. What do you mm. think could have been better? And it was the same thing where the one guy was like, she wasn't clear. And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> one of the other guys kind of said, and, and it was funny. It was because they ended up giving her a good mark, but it was one below uh, the perfect mark. Yeah, yeah. And it was really because that guy kept saying that 
you didn't do a good job explaining <laughs> it. Something that he didn't understand. So oh, yeah, it, anyway. it makes me wonder because a couple of them, like I think one of them was right away ready to say uh, summa cum laude. Yeah. Let's, let's go for it. Yeah, and I instead, had a really good... Uh, it, yeah, instead uh, you got a magna, yeah. which was okay, I think. Yeah, um, it made sense because I think that even since then you've learned a lot. Yeah. And you could now say that if you were to... I think I have it on, on film somewhere. We should oh watch that God, sometime. No way. Then we can make no, an episode no, no. out of that. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're red in the I face. Split that, I, I split, split that part in my personality. Yeah, I left that there. And <laughs> since, uh, since your dissertation, you've really become more of a public figure, so you're good at talking now, which I think says a lot too that um, the act of standing up in front of a group of 30, 40 people, mm. sometimes the room has 200 people when yeah, people yeah, do yeah. their PhD dissertations, right? Yeah. Um, that alone it, it's enough to, it's, it's enough to change the way that you look at facts and, and and recall information so it's an unfortunate thing that a talent speaking in front of a camera mm. will go a long way Absolutely. to getting a good mark Absolutely. on a phd dissertation yes, yes which is why charismatic charismatic people with bad data <laughs> can come forward as if they're saying an amazing story that makes complete sense you know I.e. Well, Al Gore and his whole thing. <laughs> again, you know, I think, uh, again, with that pseudo-replication, that's a false confidence. I think confidence has a lot to do with it. That's my point. Um, no, that's exactly you, my point. If you're confident, and I was always confident with my data because I knew that I... Um, I, I um, I analyze them correctly. I spend a lot, a lot of time to really look into it. What kind of right. data do I have? The possibilities, but there was nothing like that before. We had that rule to urban gradient, which made you know that was the point that made it really hard for me to yeah. kind of because yeah. I not only had that was city and that was um, you know on on the land like zero or one, but we had a real gradient, and I had to put that into my analysis as well. Mm -hmm. So just coming back to the mathematician, you know, I kind of went home as like, oh no, if he did, if he has no uh, solution, how can I come up with something? But then it dawned me there was actually a really easy solution to it, and it had more to do with the ecology of the rabbits and the the way I, I observed it in nature. So I could put in that fact into my statistics, and all of a sudden. The data were were clear to me, so sometimes um, we kind of get lost in the numbers, and you have to look back into nature where you got the the, the data from, and then they also makes um, um, start to make more mm -hmm. sense, right? Uh, uh, yeah. So, so I want you to explain a couple of things then. Yes. All right, you being the expert and all. Oh no. <laughs> um, circular data sources. What does that mean? Circular data source. Yeah. Um, I think that is something like the pseudo replication. Yep. Yeah. So yep. it's kind of you know where you end up. Well, you, you want to have an, many you, sources point to one or that, that you end up referring to yourself. Yeah. You end up referring, referring to the, um, to yourself kind of like, mm -hmm. yeah. Circular data source. I didn't look that up. So you didn't look that up. Oh, okay. never mind. No, it's, it, well, it's an English term. I know it's different in German. So I'm trying to do my you best. Have internet? I'm, I'm curious now. You know, look it up for a second. Well, I'll look it up after. Oh, the, okay. uh, but uh, the idea of circular data is that, um, you create data, somebody yeah. else um, does a paper researching your data, yeah, and then you do a paper researching his data. You're just referring to each other. You're again. referring to yourself, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and this 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 happens in linguistics all the time, mm -hmm. where um, there may only be a handful of people that can really properly read original text. Mm -hmm. You know, whether we talk about uh, anything from Sanskrit to Old Norse to even um, um, cuneiform and all that stuff, and yet there are only a couple of people who can actually do it on the planet. You'll yeah. find thousands of scholars talking about it. And this is something that I've heard that happens in linguistics mm. all the time is okay. that um, they have papers and all this data and then other people mm. see those papers and make new papers based off of that data and it becomes this huge pool of data but really there mm. are only f like a handful of people that can actually create <laughs> real data. 
Oh, right. And that's, do, that's that's my point. Yeah. Right? It reminds me a little bit of that whole um, story with the stress, you know, how stress came up with um, that, that Ukrainian guy, um, Hans Seyer. I, I was know who that is. I was writing about in my book, you know, the okay. the guy who kind of named stress as stress. So, uh, he was he was a Hungarian. Yeah, he was Hungarian. You said so, Ukrainian. Oh, sorry. I yeah. mean Hungarian. And so after that, they all referred to his research. And that's how, you know, the word stress became so... Right. Weird. That's <laughs> also maybe also an example for that. Huh? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Mm. So uh, let's let's recap for today. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I got the wrong thing open. Look at that. <laughs> uh, decision fearism. View behind the scenes. Oh, I know. Right? <laughs> uh, decision fearism. Yeah. What what uh, when we talk about fearing something and it mm. becoming an ism? I mean, that's something I said I was going to get into. Um, there's a song I made uh, with my band Felmuth that you guys can go and check out during the break. Uh, YouTube, you'll find Felmuth, and you can find it at felmuth.band. We have a break? Ah, uh, this break. The break coming up. Uh, we're we're okay. not going to have I any shows for about a month. No? Yeah, well, that was the other idea. I was thinking uh. about actually playing a song during the intermission. I don't know if any of you guys actually want to hear that or if that's going to be conducive to what we're doing today. We'll see what <laughs> happens. Maybe closer to the end of the show, we'll, we'll close with it. Okay. Um, but Fearism was actually created by a Desh, Desh Suba. I believe he is a... Uh, Nepalese dude, mm -hmm. and uh, he decided to create an ism out of fear. And it's a really cool way of looking at fear because it allows us to now take it um, and talk uh, talk about it as an ism. And, mm -hmm. and and what I mean by ism is that you have, you know, when we talk about isms, we have um, veganism, Catholicism, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Judaism, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it becomes more of a, of a theology to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. When we start making things into an ism, mm -hmm. it becomes more of a, of a structure, mm -hmm. right? And so your fearism is, is actually, uh, if I recall it, the way that he had written it is um, how you create um, a belief system based off of what you fear, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not doing a good job uh, at, <laughs> at, at explaining that really well today. No. I might have to come back to it. Oh, okay. But uh, the, it's really the idea that um, fear itself. Let me try this one more time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> here we go. Here, it, here we go. Um, I don't know if I can do this right now. I think I have to look it up again. <laughs> it's, I, it's too it's, much it's, pressure. Yeah, it's a bit too much pressure right now. Okay. See? So. Yeah. I'll come back to it in a minute. Oh, okay. So two plus two equals whoever may be watching you. And, and, and you know, if I could really put fears up again, I'll try it one more quick little time. <laughs> and put it into a, into a way where we can actually kind of use it in a, in a discussion today. Um, it's taking fear and putting... Um, I'll have to I'll have to look into it. You know, you go on to the next topic. I have to look, <laughs> I have to look up what I wrote back then. Well, maybe... Just something that that you know comes into my mind with fearism is also, you know, people sometimes identify with their fears. You know, they make up right. a whole personality about what they have. You know, they're afraid of spiders, they're afraid of heights, and then kind of talk about this and really make their personality from that. Um, also remember that from Eckhart Tolle, where he starts, you know, right. talking about that ego part, that that identity that you create, and you might think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, I don't know how to put that in words, but I think that can really, you can make an own an own entity out of it that you constantly feed, whereas mm -hmm. just 
some well, I mean, for me, you know, I have a couple of fears, but I try to look at where they really come from. And we talked about this in my all in journey. The biggest fear for me was to to gain weight back then. And it was such an intense fear that was not only, you know, like a, I would say had nothing to do with my look, <laughs> but more it was a essential, a, f- a fundamental fear mm-hmm. that something really bad will happen to me. And so I looked, looked where that came from and it had more uh, a deeper meaning. It was actually really based on a traumatic experience, right? So right. that these fears that we have are for me always good um, signs that we can, you know, follow and and follow the fear and look what's behind that, what's 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 there, what wants to be seen and right. explored and really um, taken care of. So here we go. We have um, philosophy of fearism, and this is the book by Desh Suba, the one mm-hmm. I was t- uh, referring to a second ago. And uh, life is conducted direct, directed and controlled by fear. And so this is kind of what I was in- insinuating that um, fear itself. It, when it becomes an ism, it's it's more that it's it's similar to dramas actually mm-hmm. uh, yep. in our life that we have sp- and, and what I call my level of absurdity. You know that mm-hmm. you that certain things happen in your life and become this fearism that then starts to dictate the way that you actually make decisions into the future, mm-hmm. right? And so f- fearism on that point of view now allows us to take um, fear and and things that then create anxiety as we were talking about in the beginning. I should have mm-hmm. looked this stuff up before going into it. It was a nice little <laughs> moment for you guys to see that this is very live, right? Um, but the the idea that now we can take the things that are, are generating perhaps behavioral changes in mm-hmm. us and put it on the table and say, this is your fearism. This is what's generating all of those... Um, uncontrollable actions and urges perhaps mm-hmm. and once you've addressed that those actions and uncontrollable urges may dissipate thereafter so fearism becomes something that we create that ends up controlling us mm-hmm. because of the anxiety and the fear that it that, that it's surrounded by it yeah yeah and the idea of uh, decision fearism is now that same thing we now live in a world where censorship is just way out of control right um i've always found it to be a thing you know i know that you you're more you know you're that proper lady kind of thing where you don't like to offend people no right i don't think it's possible to offend people (laughs) you say you like harmony i don't think it's possible to offend people i think offense really can only be taken yeah yeah, and that's how i've always kind of viewed it because that's how i experience it Mm -hmm. if people say something that i don't like or or you know i would never consider myself really offended by it Mm -hmm. i would just say they're saying stupid stuff or they're whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, right? Like, that's how I would, so I can't really see offense on my in, in my world as yeah. being a, an issue. Well, also, you you know, if you don't care what other people think or say about you, then these things don't affect you. You're not making well, up your self-value uh, from that. And so now let's, let's tie in the next part of the episode, which might be the one that we're ending with. Ah. And that is that when the decision fearism becomes so overwhelming that you end up publishing garbage. That you end up mm. creating a life where you work in an, in an environment that's sterile, mm. and you produce things to only to affect perhaps the mental change in other people mm. to do what to um, support perhaps a, a narcissistic, uh, um, learned mm. problem that you want to that you don't want to address. And what yeah, I mean yeah. by that is a lot of people will act, you know, this whole green movement that we're now newly experiencing, like Mm -hmm. another green revolution, right? Uh, With the whole greenwashing and all that Mm -hmm. stuff in your industry and my industry that is similar. 
it's one of these things where greenwashing, you may think that it comes with good reason. And that if you are partaking in something like greenwashing or um, wanting to be more ecologically friendly and so on and so forth, if you're partaking in all this stuff, that you know you must be a good person because it comes from good origins. Mm. But unfortunately, I see a lot of sociopaths and psychopaths being at the forefront of a lot of these movements mm. and, and and in business. You know, back when I was working with uh, with uh, electric uh, uh, scooters and and bicycles and stuff like that over 15 years ago, I, I, I ran a warehouse for three years um, doing electric scooters, right? Now electric scooters are everywhere. <laughs> and when I started it, I just, I couldn't believe the psych like the, the people in charge of it were just psychotic mm. they were absolutely monstrous and and what i mean by that is that it didn't matter what the cause was they 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 were just really good at shoving something down someone else's throat yeah, yeah. right whether 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 it be argument a or argument b whether they're contradicting each other or not it was more the act of them coming out on top with whatever it is that they're presenting mm. and i see that a lot in you know in your university i saw mm -hmm. that i saw that a lot in the way that data is now um put forth i saw i see that a lot in the way that um statistics are seen as something valuable yeah right and yeah, so yeah. The, the the big part that i'm getting into now is let's talk about intuition mm -hmm. right because when you really see how it, we can make decisions based on intuition, which is something that is developed by our own subjective um, experience. Mm. But the world doesn't seem to be very kind and forgiving to somebody's intuitive decision. Perhaps in the past, an intuitive decision would have been um, something that was respected. When you look at the guy and you say he has a lot of experience, yeah, yeah, his intuition holds weight. Yeah. Let's follow. Let's 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 you know this is yeah. why he's the leader, so to say. But nowadays, if you try to write a paper <laughs> saying my intuitive, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> outcome is this, this, and this, yeah, yeah. it just won't work. Yeah. Or even more so, if you start actually actively making decisions in a group for a group. And mm -hmm. saying, my intuition is telling me to do this. Mm. And then someone says, explain that to me. Because he has no ability to, to want to feel that. That, that. that what we were talking about in the beginning. This yeah. um, uh, inability to grasp the, um, um, what we were calling it, the, uh, oh my God, my words are just not there. The beer is really going straight to my head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, certainty. The inability uh, to comprehend, yeah. um, you know, um, uncertainty. Mm -hmm. That when when this when when some people just they you know they they things have to be certain for them. And when mm -hmm. you are talking about intuition to them, that's just that's uncertainty. Yeah. They're, they're looking at you and saying intuition is not logical, so therefore it's uncertainty, and therefore it's dangerous because you don't know the outcome, and it feels dangerous to me. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So how do you how do you feel about that? Because I think that over the last couple of years, you've really gone on a journey to try and develop yeah. your intuition. Yeah. And now that you're kind of like between worlds when it comes to being a scientist and now being someone who's often um, in cahoots, let's say, with the uh, Germanic foundation of Europe. In what? European Germanic, that's cahoots we call it. <laughs> means, that? Means that you're, it means that you're part of their group, that you're oh, working okay. with them. Yeah, <laughs> cahoots. <laughs> right? Um, okay. How, how does that... How does that feel for you now? Because it's, I can see that from a scientific point of view, I see you more and more looking at data and saying, why? 
Yeah. Why would someone ever do that? Yeah, why yeah. would you why would you think it's a good idea to put radio tracking collars on all the animals and, and annoy them for two months to find out uh, yeah. what? You know, you could have just sat there and appreciated them for the, for that time and wrote a paper on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. So there's a big change um, the way I see it back then. I really liked being a scientist, you know, I liked calling, collecting data, but also... As you said, nowadays I really ask myself for what, you know, back then I was like, wow, look, nature and science and specifically animals and it's so interesting see what they can do. And but back then I had not had that understanding of, yes, also animals and plants have a spirit. So why would they not be able to show such an intelligence? I don't right. need proof anymore because right. my intuition tells me, yeah, everything is possible. Everything can happen. There's so much more that we can measure with our, you know, measure in, in data and with our logical understanding. That's why I'm, I have no interest in that anymore. Just, you know, yeah. I just showed you that one job. There was actually an area where I thought like this would be nice to be there. But then I realized I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to radio collar animals. And as you said, you know, for what? You know, just annoying them and, and, and catching them, putting them under stress to to know what? That they need space? I can tell you that right away without, well, and, um, you know, torturing these poor creatures. Yeah, and this is one of these things where I must say... I thought about that myself, you know. Mm. Uh, so for me, I'm a I'm a building automation senior technician, right? Yeah. And I, I I think to myself, what's the point? Sometimes in doing a lot of these things that I do, and and for you, you know, with you, it's a lot to do with research, you know, mm -hmm. and the way that research is presented in order to get money. Yeah. And for me, it's like. I started doing this because I wanted to do fun, creative stuff yeah, yeah. Uh, that people really enjoyed. You yeah. know, like I come from an audio background and it really started off for me installing uh, multi-room audio systems or home theaters mm. or outdoor sound setups for, for people who wanted this. And yeah. it wasn't just wealthy people. It, it eventually became a part of the clientele. Yeah. You know, people with all the money in the world not knowing what to do with it. And it's an unfortunate thing that kind of happened. And over the last couple of years, I'm seeing more and more and more that more of my customers don't actually want what they're what mm. they're yeah. buying to begin with. And it's the same thing with with you, where a lot of these scientists out there today mm. are researching things they have no interest in, and they they could care less if their study group dies. <laughs> they could care less yeah. if any of their data actually is meaningful in any way. So long as it makes them look good in their study group and their university and they get a good note and yeah. bitches come to their doorsteps afterwards, <laughs> right? Like it's it's an unfortunate truth that I'm mm -hmm. starting to see more and more that even in my industry, a lot of these smart home automations are being purchased because people want, you know, mm. it's it's the next fancy car, right? Part, part of the club. <laughs> part of a club to say that they have it. Yeah. And, and I don't know why. Um, I want to bring up a couple quick little comments here yeah. because I I'll find... Just, you know, to, to round that up, um, I mean, I, I've done that. You know, I radio tracked the rabbits and, and all the data. And back then I found yeah. it really interesting. But then, yes, I published it. But but for what? You know, for what? Like, it's not that well, it was helping anyone. <laughs> I, I love it. You know, I, I love it. And I think that people the idea, like... yeah. When, when um, you were on uh, Freeman TV uh, yeah. so with, with Freeman Fly, 
he loved it. And so did everybody else, I think, that listened to him because you were able to put forward this idea that rabbits and humans are, ins yeah. it's inspiring as humans, right? But yeah, I mean, that specific um, study, I did, you know, most of my study, I was really cautious about that I, I'm not harming the animals. So that's why I like, we could just go there and, and look at their borrow systems without, you know, disturbing them or I was just well, watching the rabbits without um, interfering with them. That's what I really like. But with the radio tracking, we had to catch them. We had to put them, you know, the collars around. Mm. Um, I guess also some of them kind of maybe even died because of that. Well, and, and the, like, here's the crazy thing yeah. is that all of your research, I think that research and science, the reason for science in essence is for us to create a, uh, a closer relationship to reality. Yeah. Finished. Yeah. If that's not really the case, then it shouldn't really be done. Yeah. And this is something that, it's the same thing with me in my industry. I think that a lot of the technology that, I've, that I'm involved with, this is why I quit. This is why I, I'm leaving. I'm doing my own, I'm going back to being mm -hmm. self-employed next year. I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it. Uh, I, I find that it's, it, it's damaging to the human soul because people are consuming, 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 and mm. they're looking at me as if I'm responsible for their happiness and and for yeah. things to go well. Absolutely. Uh, and where I'm thinking, you know, get a get a fucking house with with uh, with candles. You know, you don't need lights. You don't need True. blinds that move yeah, with yeah. Uh, weather stations. You don't need. Uh, HVAC system that measures the temperature mm. according to whatever uh, your your water source and your floor is. You know no. these things are niceties. They nice to have. Nice. Don't <laughs> need them, right? It's funny that you said that. You know, like you go to the customer and then you feel like you. you know, they say, you know, make me happy. That was the same with the university. I felt like I was responsible uh, for the. Um, the way that university looks to the outside, you know, mm -hmm. I was responsible for creating um, huge right. data, the public relations. I once my my data, once my research was kind of picked up by the by the press, you know, all of a sudden professors were much nicer to me, and you know, I got more fundings and all that just because right. I was in in the eye of the public, and they liked the the whole research with the rabbits. Right. So yeah. Yeah, and you know, you have this little cute girl that they can put into a microphone and all that I stuff. I fit the whole story. Yeah. Right, all that. <laughs> so um, we have the dude Sean here from Podbean. Hello. Hello, Sean. Dude Sean. Um, <laughs> says that psychopaths now work in groups. Uh, I believe on some level it's an epidemic. And this is this is like, uh, he says, uh, they are calculated uh, reptiles. <laughs> so on and so forth. And, and it's interesting. So there are a few things I want to say about that. Okay. Right? Um, when we really talk about how this kind of behavior spreads because you've explained it to me and I still can't believe some of the things that you've told me goes on behind the scenes in the universities. Mm. I think it's it's appalling that from the outside world we look in from the outside thinking that everything is like it's like a golden castle yeah. you know but then the castle's only yeah, gold nay. on the outside <laughs> on the outside right yeah. and you go into the castle and it's a pile of shit and 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 it's there's just it's full of debauchery it's full of um you know, stressed people and stressed uh, people, narcissism. It's, yeah. it's it's the exact opposite as to how it's presented to the world. Yeah, and 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 so now people who come from the outside world, good people, who then come into there, mm. one of two things happens: either they don't succeed, mm. or they become corrupted in order to fit in. Mm. And this is now that epidemic that I'm that 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 the dude Sean was kind of mentioning, and this is how I see that. <laughs> I see that now, and he also mentioned the reptile thing, which is funny because you've talked about this many times, the different parts of the brains. Mm -hmm. 
that in order to succeed in um, in science, and you had this, you know, you were losing your hair, uh, you, you were losing a lot of weight, you lost your period, your hormone system was all fucked up. Looked like a reptile. You were looking more and more reptile. <laughs> and at the same time, but the point was, is that the part of your brain that like you were, you were numb to yourself is the way that you described it. A big part of your brain, you 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 had to shut off in order to continue doing what you were doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So am I? Am I just am I just uh, tirading here? I mean, I'm putting I'm putting your words into uh, you know into the microphone right now. Well, I mean, it was. So a I know very... you're a nice lady, and you, you try not to <laughs> put that much garbage no. out. But at the same time, it, I think it's important to say these things because yeah. people are being deceived. Yes, I mean, I can only speak from my personal experience, right? And I might have been maybe also too sensitive for that environment because I back then was a, no, I wanted to do everything perfect and I wanted to please my supervisor, which he was very narcissistic. So I had my own story bringing into that as a co-narcissistic person. So there was a lot of right. personal shit going on as well, but... From from wherever I went, I was in different universities, you know, in, in Potsdam and in Frankfurt and in, in, in Toronto and in Australia. Mm. So I always got the same feeling that this is an, an, a place of high competition. And if you fail, you, you know, they, no one is waiting there for you. No one is there for really helping you if you yeah, can't. No one cares. No one cares, really. And it got worse with the big universities, you know, where mm. like the the one in Tasmania was really small. I felt more in the family, but still, at the end, it's a business. And if you are not, you know, bringing the results that you should, then you you get kicked off. And you you are. And this is a, you, another funny. You lose thing. the game. <laughs> yeah, in, in in Germany, education is kind of put forth as this human right. And for this reason, if you have the chops, education will be paid for you for the most part while you're here um, mm -hmm. as a citizen and the country will pay for it. And it's got to this other ridiculous point now where the, the new governments that have been coming in are now saying, not only are we going to pay for all the Germans' education, we'll pay for every asshole who comes here now. Mm -hmm. And so they come here, they do their education and they leave. And then you well, find taking out taking all their knowledge with them, right? All taking, <laughs> yeah, taking their knowledge with them. And on top of that, mm. you think it is a great idea. It's a good thing. But one big thing they forget to tell the public, the universities are private. It's tax money paying mm -hmm. private industry in order to bring these people up. But not, they're not private, right? So they're, they're private. How are they not private? Well, they're, um, yeah, as you said, they're paid by so ta tax money. So it's public. Uh, yeah, they get their funding by tax money, mm -hmm. but they're not, they're not a part of the government system. They're Ooh, private. I actually don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know this because like I said, okay. I've, I've seen this in many different ways. Some more than others, like there are certain things like audio engineering schools, anything to do really with- Yeah, um, well, they're really private schools because there you have to pay tuition fees, right? That's completely different. Yeah, exactly. That's different. But your education, the University of Frankfurt and so on and so forth, yeah. how they get their money. Yeah, a big part of it is from tax money, mm -hmm. but it has to go through NGOs and it has to go through- um, No. Absolutely. I don't think so. I can tell you. Well, okay, let's put it this way. You were in charge of uh, a study group mm. in uh, Potsdam. Mm -hmm. Where did the money come from? Um, it, it's called the German Research Society. Mm -hmm. And and what are they? They're a fine. No, that's also from the government, I think. No, it can't be. 
There is no branch of the German government that goes directly no. into. Uh, I don't know actually. Never really looked at yeah. that. I know this because this is what's happening now with the police system. Is what's okay. happening with the um, uh, all of the like city halls. Mm -hmm. These are essentially private companies now. The, the entire police system of Germany was was has become a private company. It's a private. Uh, it's a private security sector that is now being funded by tax money in order to uphold the law. But they're but the government the the actual police they get their paychecks from a company. They don't mm -hmm. get their paychecks from the, the government. It's it's not the same anymore. All that stuff that that we believe is the way that things used to work, is the way that things used to work, and it's okay. really important to see that. I know I'm. I back I, then I was not so much into. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more into that. <laughs> I was focused than, on than my you. studies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that I mean that's something that I can say is that when money is trans is going from hand to hand, mm. um, and the budgets are going up every year. It's it's yeah. it's not without reason, you know, and and this is something mm. that is very important to recognize when calling, you know, making that judgment call as to whether something is necessary or valuable. Mm. Um, you know this from your study group that they were telling your study group, the group that you were leading in Potsdam, that uh, they were getting mad at you for not spending the budget. Well, not getting mad, but of course, if you don't spend the money, then next year you don't get it anymore. That's you don't why, get as much. Yeah, not as much because obviously right. you don't need it. That's why so we at the have end to of the spend year, a lot of money yeah, for At the end of the year, they're the like, end. let's get new TVs, <laughs> let's get new computers, let's get new phones, let's 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 go out to dinner, yeah, let's well, let's write that off. You know? Well, it wasn't like that. It was exactly like that as to what you explained to me. <laughs> <laughs> not not so much like that. Okay, so. well, how was it? Well, I've never been to dinner because of that. You know, you have to spend the money specifically for things that they they'll check later on, right? So mm -hmm. what you spend that for, and then they see. Well, you can't just go having dinner. Of course, of course, I'm being <laughs> facetious, but I'm saying that um, yeah, yeah. the entire uh, the, well, the, 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 no, the big dinner at the end of your of of of, what, of the graduation, right? Um, that that that's a part of the budget, is it not? Of my graduation, I don't no, know. Not your mean. graduation, the graduation of the group in Potsdam. The, there, there was an end of the year dinner that we all went to at uh, the. Um, oh, that that had nothing to do with it. That was something else. Who there paid were, for that? Hmm? Who paid for that? I think they did for themselves. So I don't know anymore. Okay, it's anyway, too we're, long going, we're going into yeah, a different topic. It's not so important. Don't worry about anymore. it. It's really not important. Um, here we have a couple things. No, we're on pack. Okay. So. Um, let's, I'm just maybe just to, to finish that off. You know, I'm pretty happy that I don't need to depend on the system anymore and I'm right. not working there anymore in the way I used to. Right. And I think this is now the this idea of personal sovereignty mm -hmm. is to me one of the most important things that I want to take in with me into next year. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about this being the season finale and perhaps what we've gone through this year and where we're going into the next year, mm -hmm. um, we're definitely looking more into a, a property that's more out into the forest, you know, yeah. to be able to have a, a bigger piece of land, perhaps a smaller building in order to um, have more of our own food, to be able to have our own animals, this kind of stuff. Where we are, it's good. Like we live close to a lot of farms. So it was actually really nice that I, I would say that 90% of our food plus right now is actually coming from the farms immediately mm. where we live. So it's actually yeah. really nice to be out in the country where we are. But um, for us to actually have enough land to be able to do that, the idea of sovereignty it also, for me, is the idea of having that sovereignty to make your decisions, to say that two plus two equals four. Yeah. And that two plus two is not always dependent on who is watching <laughs> you, right? No. That 
that this is a sense of freedom, right? That that yeah, that you can always say for <laughs> well, you know, without, no with, without when fear. When, yeah, without fear. Without true. fear, because that's the idea of decision yeah, yeah. fearism is that if you don't have the ability to say the truth the way that you see it mm. subjectively, because people won't respect you or because uh, people are judging you, yeah, I think that now is the time more than ever. Um, to say that truth, uh, as as you can see over the last couple of years, how truth has been so heavily manipulated, and how um, the coercion has yeah. been there in order to make people feel small. Yeah, but I think it's also something that you know not comes overnight. Like I know it from no, it for doesn't. myself because I I was a big big uh, people pleaser, and mm. you know always because you being raised yes in a in a narcissistic environment, yeah. that was the one the the you know my strategy to survive. I always had to say to please my my mother and my dad in order to not get banned. Right, so that's how I learned it. And that's how I kept it going, even when I was an adult. But mm -hmm. realizing that now I'm, you know, I don't need to do this anymore. I'm not depending on anyone. I can support myself and in a, in a healthy way that I can, you know, every time a little more say what I think and maybe also piss some people off <laughs> without yeah. Yeah. realizing the world is still okay. You know, I'm still okay. Uh, there's yeah. nothing going on here. I'm not in, in, in immediate danger. But of course, I think it's it's important to you know to really take it take it day by day. And I I like these books. For example, I always mention that Brett Blanton, um, Radical Honesty, and also the other one uh, called Getting Real. I think Susan something is her name, mm. where she really emphasized that you should communicate how you feel about things, and you know that it's more it's not about controlling the uncertainty. It's really relating and with relating she she means that you share what you think about things how you feel about things and also you know not being afraid of what's the outcome because when you start saying things that you think other people want to hear then you start controlling the situation because you don't want to have that uncertainty yeah. you want them to react in a certain way or um you know you go out of your way to be the people pleaser, to be the yes man, to yeah. say yes, 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 no problem, I'll get it all done. Yeah, And then, and then people are angry at you anyway. Yeah, true. And, so and the, you can't <laughs> make it right to anyone, uh, anybody at all, right? Well, that's so I think the most important thing is that you, you do it right for yourself, that yep. you feel, yeah, this is a decision in accordance to how I feel, how I want this. Um, and and then, you know, life gets much easier if you say like, I don't want to do this actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, be honest about that. And I, I know it's hard for um, from my own experience, but it's getting better each time because then you also see how the people are reacting. You know, I kind of lost a couple people on the way because they all of a sudden it's like, oh, now Madeline is saying no, this is something new. Professional or personal? People. Both ways. Yeah. And yeah. that's why they they were not used to that, you know, that I make up my own mind and I say, you yeah. know, I don't want to do this anymore. They only wanted your friendship so long as you're the people pleaser. Yeah. Right. And that's why you make space for people that are really your friends and that mm. they they rather support this, you know, that well, they it's say, the same okay, thing it's good. with work. When you work for somebody who is trying to feed his his own narcissistic needs yeah. and you start to realize um that you don't have a future in 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 your in your um field anymore unless mm. you take it into your own hands yeah, yeah, yeah. unless you either change the way things are operating dramatically or you go off into a different direction of your own 
And I think that this is something that uh, you look back. I loved uh, the, the 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 Norse book, the Poetic Eddas. You know, mm-hmm. is it's it essentially directly translates to or loosely translates to uh, words from the High One, which is from Odin, right? And a big thing that Odin says over and over and over again is living, building a, a, like a platform mm. in your life so that you're sovereign. It's better. Yeah. It's better to live in a broken down shack. Yeah, and it's than, your own than right. to serve. Uh, for a day, or it's better to, yeah. you know, have a humble life with just uh, normal things, a couple goats and a couple chickens, than to go out <laughs> begging. But these are yours, right? And then, yeah, absolutely, right. And yeah, these yeah. these these words that we know of were written down a thousand years ago, They and so not knew. much has changed. So. <laughs> except, I think that a lot of people are today too easily coerced by the shiny things and yeah. uh, give up their sovereignty too easily. We're taught that at a young age when we're in school. That uh, you know we're going to sit at a table and we're yeah. going to be told when we can go to the toilet, when we can Awful, have a, right? a break. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when that brainwashing and that coercion begins. That's where they start taking away even the the most simple body reaction that you have. You're not in order to say, you know, I have to go to the toilet. <laughs> This is already something that they 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 plant into your brain. That's it's you, you know forbidden to follow your yeah. your um, basic needs. Yeah. And that that this is right. I mean, that's yep. the worst thing. You know, they they teach you that you don't have the right f- to decide for yourself, and that you have the power to create yep. a life that you are absolutely your own. Yeah, that you can govern yourself. Yeah. Well, again, you know, it starts off mm. when we're really young. When they say uh, you have to ask permission to go to the toilet. Yeah. And now here we are, really old. <laughs> <laughs> where you pretty much uh, are being still co- asking you're still <laughs> you asking for permission uh, well I mean depending on the company absolutely yeah, yeah. but you know here we are being told uh, when we can have fresh air or not mm-hmm. and people go with it not all people I think that we were very fortunate here in Germany yeah. that um, when uh, when all the shit hit the fan that we chose to leave the city years ago <laughs> What is that saying? You've never heard that saying? Yeah, when shit hits just, the fan. I just got that picture on it. Absolutely. Beavis and Butthead did a really good <laughs> tribute to that, where they started throwing you know, stuff into the fan. Because in, in, in North America, the fan is in the middle of the room and it spins. Yeah. Right? The American style fan. Yeah. And when you throw something into it, it goes all over the room. It's very fun to do. When I was younger, I used to throw my Play-Doh up into it. The what? <laughs> Play-Doh, like plasticine. Oh. Like, what do you guys call that stuff? Um, that yeah, I thought of Play-Doh. Yeah, Play-Doh. Anyway, as shit hits the fan, it just goes all over the place. There's It's nothing. a very vivid picture. Right? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. This has been a great episode right. of Smart Home Stupid People. And uh, for all of you guys out there, we are live on Rockfin, Rumble, Twitch, DLive, Telegram, and in audio form on Podbean. You will find us, if you search Smart Home Stupid People, in Twitch and DLive, we are Smart Home Slow People because Twitch <laughs> is not uh, accommodating to stupid people. No. Therefore, you have to be a slow person. Um, but you will still find us in Twitch and DLive if you type in Smart Home Stupid People because we put it into the description of every show. Mm-hmm, okay. That's right. So this being the season finale, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before shutting things down? Is there anybody you'd like to say hello to? Is there anyone you'd like to say fuck <laughs> off? Is there uh, is, is is there a wish that you'd like to make for a the wish. new year? Is there uh you know something that you'd like to share? Um I know we're going to go all hot with this and we're going to bring it to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Let's well, set aside the bleakness. The bleakness? And uh, focus on our 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 strengths in the future. 
Yeah, I could maybe, you know, just for all you guys out there, just take a little time out and, you know, and all the craziness with the Christmas, whatever you you celebrate and, you know, just take some time out for yourself and sit down and really take some time to appreciate what had happened to you in this year. What were the things that you were, you know, happy about that you can be thankful for the people in your life and just spend a little moment to <laughs> say thank you and also think about the stuff that you want to take with you in the next year and make a little wish or yeah also trusting that things are always going to be okay that's mm. you know that's how i since i started the the shamanic practices you know having or really connecting with nature on a deep level like talking to trees and i'll just say it there you go <laughs> hugging my trees talking to my well, cats and I, all that the, the 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 guy roland the head of the uh, shamanic foundation yeah. europe i loved what he said in your episode so Mad madeline has her own podcast called yeah. Die mit der Ziege, which in german translates loosely to the show with the goat because her last name Ziege translates directly in english to goat <laughs> and uh it's also a play on words because there's uh, back in the day there was a tv show called uh, Die Sendung mit der Maus, which yeah. means translates to german uh, from german to english the show with the mouse yeah and it was like for children you and, know like yeah it's kind of like the german sesame street yeah kind of right and so roland um Kula is his name uh, oban oban sorry Kula. oh shit that's another guy i know <laughs> <laughs> uh, but roland oban uh he said that um you know maybe we would build houses differently and we an industry would be completely different if people looked at a tree and mm. and and understood that it was more than just a piece of wood yeah it's true he was he right said that well. it's a life yeah and, absolutely. and it's it's not to go all hippie uh on everybody right now but no to understand that everything has its essence and everything can have its spirit to a degree uh and yeah and and, and if we and we as people we can tap into that it's it's uh, yeah it's natural to something us. We that we've numbed ourselves it. yeah yeah with absolutely yeah so is there anything else you want to add on well that was basically it you know just take some time for yourself and just really settle down and uh like on a very conscious level say goodbye to this year and welcome yeah. the, the next year and just enjoy life so thank you to all of you guys out there yeah, who were here this year and enjoyed the shows if there's anything that you'd want to ask we are live right now and uh, here's the last chance i guess um there's a lot of going on, but I can't, I can't see that from here. I really yeah, Podbean's full of life. Glasses for next year, maybe. <laughs> glasses for next year. Maybe we'll just put the, a monitor close to you. It's closer <laughs> to my head than it is to yours. Oh, okay. Right? So uh, I, I'd, I'd say for me, the big thing that's going to be transpiring in my obviously immediate future is uh, I left the company that I had been with for the last couple of years. I was self-employed my entire life up until very recently. Mm. And I'm I'm seeing very quickly that uh, there was a good reason why I was self-employed for so long. Mm. <laughs> because when things change, you want to be able to control at least the way that you change with yeah. it. And I can see that the company that I was working for started changing so dramatically into a direction that I didn't want to go. And so therefore, it was it was a very difficult thing uh in that you know i like the people there uh i enjoy aspects of the work but i could definitely say that my my prolonged happiness was at risk yeah. if i were to stay and so for me yeah, yeah. I'm, i feel like i'm going back into that world of uh of synchronicity and of uh intuition yeah i found that my synchronistic opportunities and my intuition was beginning to dwindle 
because mm -hmm. of the the repetition that was occurring on my yeah. uh, in my work life. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I'm self-employed, it's it's I think it's more fascinating because jobs come in and you kind of move with them and you can, yeah, you know, um, really focus on how you want the details to come to life yeah. and relate to them. And I find that more and more, specifically in the industry that I'm working in, people have just lost. A sense of caring, I think, for for the industry itself, and for those of you out there who don't really understand what I do, um, I uh, as a building automation technician, I build bus systems over here in Europe for lighting, for climate control, for blinds, for anything that can be tied into a, a display touch panel, uh, a keypad, so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. sometimes I build stages uh, with uh, for, uh, with multimedia and video and big screens. Sometimes I'm doing conference rooms. Sometimes I'm just doing a house where the light uh, is going to be uh, put over a bus system. And one of the big reasons why I started doing this was because of the creativity I was able to put out, because I was able to take all of my creativity as a musician and you know someone who just loves solving puzzles mm. and to apply it to um something that can really benefit other people's lives in a daily in a in a day-to-day -day, uh way right that means that they then have the ability with one button at the front of their house or by their the side of their bed to turn all the lights on and off mm -hmm. in their house mm -hmm. that means that when someone breaks into their house that all the lights start blinking and the blinds go up it sounds ridiculous when you look at it that way. But, you know, um, there was another part of it for me was the actual idea of minimizing electrosmog. Yeah. That uh, my dad got cancer when um, when I was in my teens. Uh, leukemia, which was really rare for someone in their 40s to get uh, back in the late 90s. And um, it was assumed by the medical professionals at the time that they believe that he got cancer because of exposure to a lot of dirty radiation, yep. dirt, dirty electricity, which was because his uh, his business, he was a pastry chef, was located right beside the 60 hertz hydro field, the electrical wires that were being pulled between cities. And yeah, sure, he was able to get the property at a discount mm. price. Yeah, well. But uh, for that reason, um, you know, he, he got blood cancer and it pretty much just did him in. Um, and these are kind of these decisions that we now talk about when we talk about sovereignty. Yeah. Right? Maybe being more aware of our environment plays a big effect into our longevity and into the way that we can actually be in control of our own life. If your environment is asking you to do things or or affecting you in a in a negative yeah. way, yeah, it maybe it's good. time to alter your environment or or change your environment, like to leave it and yeah. go find a better one. Absolutely. Um, I know I've, I, I could say I've done this in my life. I emigrated from North America and came here. I originally wanted to come here for a few years. <laughs> then I met nice women and bought a house. <laughs> so, and, and, and started a career that's actually flourishing over here. Um, but that being said, now that I'm going back into uh, being self-employed again and starting my own business again, it, it's it, there's a new type of energy, you know, an mm -hmm. energy that has been dormant for a few years, and I feel that definitely it's uh, it's ready to come back out. Mm. And without the decision fearism, I'm going to continue, <laughs> and I'm going to make my decisions, and I'm going to say, yeah. you know what, this is the way I see things. And I find that if you have the ability to tell people how the truth of what you subjectively want. And I mean, I'm not married to things with belief systems in the sense that I, I what I like to say sometimes is often like the, this whole show, we're talking, mm. right? 
we're talking and, and, and there's a good chance that a lot of what we say today, we can revisit in a year and ask ourselves in a year from now, do we still think that way? Yeah. Do those ideas that we have back then still yeah, yeah. apply to us today? True. There's a chance that it might be no, right? In some contexts. Yeah. That means that having a belief system that's very hard and rigid, you know, like a religion, sometimes not the most conducive thing for your, for your longevity, because sometimes it's so much easier to just have an idea and to roll with it, to be okay yeah. with uncertainty, to be okay with the world is in flux. It will always be in flux and it always has been. Nothing has changed. And the better we can adapt ourselves, you've said this many times, mm -hmm. the better a, an organism has uh, the ability to adapt itself to its constant changing environment mm -hmm. means that it's, it's, it's adapting itself better to its environment and will not be... Uh, it, exterminated when that environment fundamentally changes. Yeah, yeah it's just right? like very natural process. It's kind of, I always see it like dancing, you know, you have the organisms dancing with this environment and the other way mm -hmm. around. They just learn each a new step to in order to keep up with it. Right? Yeah. 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 No, I like that. That's a, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. There we go. Good. So yeah. we're closing this year for all of you guys out there, you know, a nice Yule Fest, <laughs> you know, Nice 2023 coming up. Holy moly. I know. Holy moly. <laughs> Madeline's going to be 40. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be 38 in a couple That's weeks. True. Both of our birthdays happen uh, within the next month. Yeah. And um, we're going to make... 38? I'll be 38. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. be 38. You'll you, be 38. You will be 40. I know. You know, that I means know. that you'll be entering your 41st year. It means that you have closed the circuit. <laughs> closed the circuit. <laughs> right? Midlife crisis is soon approaching. <laughs> there we go. I think I already had that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's something you can get out of the way nowadays. Right? There we go. Yeah, yeah. Delminator says, happy early birthday to thank you, you. Maddie. Right? Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. All right. All right, guys. Do you have uh, anything else to say or real? No, I think this is a nice way to end. Yeah. Our, we're gonna we're gonna go upstairs and have a nice honey wine. I'm gonna finish my beer. I need dinner. And I also need dinner. <laughs> really so for all of you guys out there, Oops. we'll see you in the new year. Yeah. Um, any schedule ideas? We're open to them. Wednesdays and Sundays have been good for us. Wednesdays are a bit tough because you know it's always 8 p.m. and for us 8 p.m. is a good time, but you know getting up early the next day, that's going to change for me next year anyway. You're yeah, going to be well, the one, the sucker going to work early morning. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, lucky me. Eh? Um, so for any of you guys who actually want to have contact with us between shows, join our Telegram group, Smart Home Stupid People. Yeah. Right. There you will be able to find of, uh, smart people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you will be able to find the smart home stupid chat associated to the smart home stupid people telegram group and there be able to watch the show live within telegram mm -hmm. or uh, just chat to us live during like via the smart home stupid chat app. Cool. There we go. I said a mouthful. Everybody have yourselves a lovely rest of the year. Yep. We'll see you All in 2023. Best. All the best. Until then, keep well. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Wow.